0: Welcome to the discussion: The future of networking, sponsored by Sienna Government Solutions. Here's today's moderator,
1: Tom Temen.
0: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Jim Westdorp, Chief Technologist at Sienna Government Solutions. Jim, good to have you with us. Great, Tom. Great to be with you as well. And so much is happening on networking these days as governments, agencies try to modernize their networks and for various purposes such as better customer experience and going back to the token ring and land. Oh, yeah, that's and, you know,
1: been a while, but yeah.
0: Really seen a lot of evolution. So what do you see ahead that would be state-of-the-art for modernizing federal networks? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, I've been in the industry over 20 years now, and, you know, Sienna, as a, a leader in optical solutions, of course, has, has been around for that amount of uh, time as well. And, uh, you know, we've kind of grown from uh, a company that's focused on uh, optical systems to one that's focused on critical infrastructure of all kinds from the core all the way through the uh, the enterprise edge and the sorts of things that we're seeing uh, you know now is you know of course there's there's always the push for more capacity that was you know that was actually one of the things that Sienna was 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 founded on that's a little humorous today but you know an entire system back in the day when we were first starting out was was forty gig. That was an entire rack of, 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 of equipment, and that's all you could get in, in, in an entire fiber. And you know, now that's a single wavelength, and you know you can get terabits. But uh, you know, so of course we've seen the the, the inexorable push for for more capacity. Uh, we you know the the main stock and trade in, in bandwidth and networks has moved from uh, from from a gig or two and a half gig to ten gig to 100 gig, which is now pretty much the standard unit of currency for larger networks. Uh, And we're moving to 400 gig. And, you know, within a couple of years we'll be about a terabit, uh, you know, per wavelength, per client, so uh, some very substantial changes and and evolution in terms of the amount of uh, capacity. And, you know, with that, with the amount of capacity that networks can carry, uh, we're trying to converge the network to support both, you know, both packet, which is the dominant traffic type. So, uh, you know, Ethernet and uh, IP packets are, is really the dominant kind of traffic, which carries all your applications. But there's still a fair bit of what I'll call legacy, uh, older protocols, which are uh, time division multiplex networks on it and SDH. So we're trying to put all that together and converge that into a single overall network. So you can uh, you can work all your services and applications across a single network and not have a a disparate networks for storage and sonnet and Ethernet. You can do that, uh, you know, all all at once. We're certainly we're certainly seeing the impacts of the move from or, or I guess the the. The increased usage and and uh, the position of data centers in the network. You know, if we were ten years ago, uh, ten maybe about a little more than ten years ago, there weren't large, huge data centers. Uh, now there are gargantuan data centers, and we're actually even moving off of just the large scale data centers to a, a hybrid model where there's a mix of edge data centers and uh, you know, and centralized one. And then you know, and that's that's pretty much the core of the network. And then if you start looking towards the edge, probably the the biggest trend these days is is all the money that's being spent towards five G infrastructure. So moving from four uh, G and and LTE to five G, and you know we're not a radio vendor, but of course all the networks that support all those radios are built on C N equipment. So that's a, a big change in our uh, in, the, in the capabilities of our equipment as well. Yeah, lots
0: of questions here, and you mentioned sonnet, and you're in the optical business. What are the trends specifically in optical to be able to handle these terabit types of networks as you envision it? And then I want to get into, you know, how Wi-Fi and wireless and 5G. Yeah, can- sure,
1: sure, sure, sure. Back- on, on, right on the pure optical on the on the optical side. So we've, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've been moving from. Uh, 10 gig to 100 gig to 400 gig. 100 gig is still pretty much the stock and trade. The largest networks that we build, uh, particularly for the government, are still based on on 100 gig. But if we look at what the content service providers are doing, you know, Google, Facebooks, and and even the the larger AT&T and and Verizon, they're now starting to move to 400 gig, specifically 400 gigabit Ethernet. So that's a a new standard on the client side. So, uh, you know, basically quadrupling of the speeds that uh, the routers or switches or individual application servers are going to be able to move data uh, between large processing nodes. And then if you look at the fiber itself, um, we've actually moved, uh, Sienna in particular has moved to being able to carry uh, 800 gigs um, per wavelength. So we can carry, actually I mentioned 400 gig is the new standard for clients. That's that's what, you know, the, the standard for interoperability amongst uh, switches and routers has moved to 400 gig. Um, but we can carry now two of those on an individual wavelength, and then we can carry uh, actually 40 or 50 of those. And so, you know, we're now up to uh, 20 or 30 terabits uh, on a fiber pair, and that's just in one of the major bands that uh, we can carry. Um, we're now actually moving into the L band as well, which is a different frequency band where you can carry another another 40 wavelengths or so. So we're in the total capacity now. We've uh, we're up in the in the 50, 60. Terabits that we can handle on fiber, so immense amounts of capacity that uh, we're now able to supply over uh, fiber optic infrastructure, which is you know what, what really makes bandwidth isn't isn't free, but uh, it, it's effectively not a limiting factor anymore.
0: And for those on the federal side who like some of the technicals, are we talking about operations at layer zero where the wavelengths are, or does it extend up into the Ethernet layer also?
1: Yeah, yeah, it 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 goes uh, it goes all the way up, and uh, you know, for for CNA, for our equipment, uh, the the eight hundred to terabit capacities that I'm talking about per wavelength, that's uh, that's what we would call layer zero. So that's the physical layer over over the fiber. Um, when you're getting into uh, you know into layer one, so so now that's that's the switching layer, which is uh, you know the, the the current standards are ODU standards. Those those go up to hundred gigs. Um, but uh, at the Ethernet layer, so layer two, um, yes, that's 400 gig E. And the next set of standards haven't come out yet, but uh, we're going to be either a terabit or 1.6 terabits. So uh, huge increases coming. Uh, basically, the, the increases don't stop because the demand from the users uh, and our customers uh, doesn't stop. So- Got it.
0: So there is, there's, Change going on at the Ethernet level, but also at the Sonnet level too. That that you mentioned that's yeah. Now the standard.
1: Sonnet level—that's an interesting question. Um, that those standards have been static for quite some time, and those are really not evolving. the The real the news, if you will, there is that uh, we can continue to use those older standards, even though they're you know they're really not they're not they're not going beyond actually Sonnet's not going beyond uh, 40 gig, uh, but we can still Operate with those those older protocols and carry them across modern infrastructure. So we have ways of converting those SONET signals and SONET protocols into uh, into either OTN, which is a which is a modern TDM standard, or what's more common actually is to convert it into uh, Ethernet and carry it as packets uh, across the network. And that way you get the you know optimum efficiency, and you can still use your older equipment at the edge that still speaks SONET SDH because you've got a translation layer. And so it really is, is, is kind of, you know, sure, a lot of people uh, in government and talk about just replacing all their sonic gear, but as a practical matter, uh, that's very hard to do. It, it's, it's by and large out of the core and even the metro parts of the network, but it still exists at the edge. And there's some, uh, particularly in for government applications, there are, you know, existing sensors, uh, both from a, from a, from a satellite and even radar and, Perspective that still use these older protocols and their systems that are still working and it will cost a tremendous amount to replace. So you can't not support it, Um, but you support it in such a way that you can use modern uh, critical infrastructure and still support the uh, you know the older protocols that they need to speak at the edge. And and, uh, that's something that we support as well.
0: Yeah, that edge idea is really coming into fashion right now, for lack of a better word. It had been not thought about that much. In the cloud era, and people thought about their hybrid infrastructure in terms of clouds and data centers, but edge computing, closets, you might call them, or just nodes of computing that are neither data centers, as they're traditionally understood, nor commercial cloud providers, agencies are re, I guess, understanding the importance of that amount of computing that they have at the edge because of Internet of Things, sensors that you mentioned, and a host of applications.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, and it's been you know it's been interesting to see the evolution of the network. You know, in the early days, uh, of course, bandwidth was relatively uh, you know expensive, so uh, things were things were concentrated, and then bandwidth got cheaper, and so things got distributed again, and then all the bandwidths kept creeping up, which lent itself towards more centralization, which is where the big data centers came in. But then the architectures and the applications changed to the point where doing everything centralized well, you know, it's efficient. Um, You still now have to move a lot of traffic to that centralized data center to do your compute there and then bring it back. So it became uh, inefficient again, and particularly if we want low latency and some of the new applications that uh, you really need to be close, physically close to the data. So that's where the, uh, you know, the, the data centers. Uh, started to become distributed again and now you want compute uh, at the edge and so yeah that's that's actually i would say some of the more recent trends in the network are um, you know we're certainly not the the big data centers aren't going away we're not needing any fewer of them but we need to augment them with compute and storage deeper in the network closer to the users so that we can enable some of the really interesting applications some of the you know the virtual reality, some of the gaming things, even some of the uh, some of the things we're talking about in terms of uh, smart networks and smart roadways and, uh, you know, anything that requires interactivity between the user and uh, the compute, you, you really need to be physically physically close. And that still means a, can mean a few hundred miles, but it's not like you're going halfway across the country to a large data center. That you still want to be able to do, but you don't want to have to do that all the time.
0: Sure. And there's also even a cybersecurity aspect to this. A lot of agencies, especially in defense, want to distribute instances of applications or virtual machines to be distributed as widely as possible because that means that nothing can take down that application unless it takes down the entire network, which is pretty hard to do even for a sophisticated hacker.
1: Right. Yeah, there's... There's a lot, nowadays, there's a lot of redundancy built in the network, and you know we at Sienna and others in the industry spend a great deal of, of effort making sure that, A, we can build a network with sufficient redundancy when it's necessary, uh, and B, we can take advantage of that redundancy, and in the event of a failure, in the event of a cyber attack, you can use the redundancy excess capacity that you've built into your network to survive that failure, that uh, attack. Uh, Etc. Part of that is is yes, uh, you know, moving moving to the edge and having a a more distributed network, which by its very nature is more resistant to uh, failure and attack because there are a lot more of the edge nodes. And so when even if there's a problem in one place, yeah, that one place just went down, but everything else is, is is still fine. So lots of lots of interest and lots of movement towards the edge, which has really been driven by. The, the ubiquity and cheapness really of uh, compute and storage. Uh, uh, you know, Kudos to the semiconductor industry and Intel and AMD and all the others that have, that have made uh, compute and storage very, very inexpensive to the point where you can put it pretty much uh, everywhere and you can start to take applications that historically have demanded uh, discrete appliances and you can virtualize them in software. You know, examples of that are uh, the classic examples of virtual routers, firewalls. You can now do, you know, you're not doing terabits worth of encryption, but you can do gigabits worth of encryption, you know, in software nowadays. Network acceleration and you know the the, the latest latest interest in terms of software defined networking SDN is in terms of software defined wide area network SD-WAN or, you know, even SASE which is secure access Uh, Service Edge, uh, all of these things that are are taking advantage of the ubiquity of compute storage and high capacity networking to be able to do really important functions um, at the edge that historically you haven't been able to do, but but now you can. And the result is a much more capable uh, and uh, resilient network. All right, more
0: questions, but right now we're going to take a break. My guest today is Jim Westdorp, Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions. I'm Tom Temin. This discussion is The Future of Networking, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions here on Federal News Network.
1: Sienna is the number one provider of optical network equipment, but did you know that Sienna also specializes in network software? Sienna's adaptive network portfolio offers solutions to optimize the management and operation of your network. From inventory management and root optimization software that strengthens your cybersecurity posture to SDN and analytics tools, Siena software makes agency networks more efficient and our software is designed to operate in an open multi-vendor environment. Learn more at ciena.com government.
0: Welcome back to our discussion, The Future of Networking, sponsored by Siena Government Solutions here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Jim Westdorp, Chief Technologist at Siena Government Solutions. I'm your moderator, Tom Temen. And Jim, I wanted to get into the 5G question. This is really the major technology that seems to be dawning on us. And people think of it in terms of what you can do on your smartphone. Yeah. But as you see it, there's a lot more to 5G as a major networking medium than that. So maybe let's talk about where we're headed with 5G and what, what agencies can avail themselves of.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, of course, as as an equipment uh, network equipment provider, CN is uh, very interested in in five G. It historically drives, uh, you know, pulses of investment in network infrastructure, and five uh, G is the next generation of the wireless uh, protocols and, and technologies that are going to be supported by, by by mobile. And there's a huge capital push. That started, and you know, is really going to peak in the next few years. As pretty much almost all of the wireless networks in this country are going are going to be uh, upgraded. So, you know, and some of the capa- some of the characteristics of five uh, G that that impact companies like Sienna, right? So we're we're actually we're not at the radio side, so we don't see the the interface between your cell phone and the cell tower. But pretty much as it comes down from the cell tower uh, and then goes into the wider net, wider area network, um, that's where uh, infrastructure companies like Ciena see it. And, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily think about because they don't have to. You know, you pick up your phone, you make a call, it's wireless, right? Well, yeah, it's wireless, it's up, you know, basically two miles away when it hits the tower. And then it goes into a classic fiber optic infrastructure network to, to go, across the country to a cell tower that's one mile away from the guy you're talking to or person you're talking to. Um, so there's 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 a lot of physical network infrastructure that has to be involved to make your to make the, the mobile wireless infrastructure uh, work. And one of the things associated with 5G, of course capacities are going up, 5G are supporting higher capacities, lower latency, better security All that, uh, you know, is underpinning a lot of the the protocols. Uh, And one of the key things actually is that um, from a protocol level, from the tower back into the network, that part of the network used to be layer two, used to be just Ethernet packets. And because of the the increased dynamics and, and the ability to support new services like, you know, wireless uh, internet connectivity to the home and, and business and, and things like that. Uh, actually, the, uh, we're moving from Ethernet to uh, Internet protocols or IP protocols at the base of the tower. So there's a whole new set of functionalities, a whole other layer of the network that needs to be supported closer to the edge of the network than uh, it had been before. And uh, timing becomes a lot more critical, you know, again, because of all the kinds of handoffs and the kinds of high-speed dynamic nature uh, of the network. So a lot of interesting things technologically uh, happening uh, at 5G. But bottom line is there's a new generation of switches and routers that have to be deployed at pretty much every single tower. And, of course, new radios, uh, et cetera. And uh, because of the capabilities of 5G, it's, it's driving a new set. Of capabilities from an application perspective, and that 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 rolls down to the, uh, the the equipment as well. And we're seeing interest not only in the classic wireless kind of networks and the wireless backhaul, which is where companies like Sienna comes in, but 5G is is also being uh, looked at in the uh, in the enterprise uh, a, as well. So this would be in you know in smaller places like inside a building or inside a warehouse. Um, being able to support 5G there. So again, you can use, it's kind of seamless connectivity between your mobile devices inside the building uh, and, and outside. And uh, that's, I think, something uh, very interesting that's that's going on in the network as well.
0: Yes, because for many years, people have talked about the idea of network convergence, you know, the single wire for all yep. purposes as opposed to the way it was many years ago. You had coax here, and category three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the,
1: different fiber, yeah the different wiring types, yeah.
0: So, what do you believe that the next generation of networking architecture will look like, pursuant to this idea of simplifying and high speed?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's still it's still in flux, and I would say, you know, uh, so so when you're talking about inside the building enterprise type connectivity, uh, of course, Wi-Fi has has been u- ubiquitous inside the building. If you want high capacity inside the building without tying up your more expensive wireless, uh, so. So that's historically what's happened, and with the capabilities that 5G has been designed with, those those protocols actually, and, and uh, you know those those new radios, et cetera, are are actually able to support in the building applications in a similar vein to to Wi-Fi. So it's a it's a, it's a little too too soon to say which one is is going to uh, be uh, dominant. I suspect we're going to end up. With both, but there's there's certainly a desire with a number of government customers, um, which which we're which we're encouraging is is to you know for next generation Wi-Fi, if you will, instead of upgrading you know redoing all your access points, just make them 5G, and now you can have a seamless protocol, you know, one wire, if you will, one wireless wire um, of uh, of of traffic and application services both inside the building and uh, and without. And so um, a lot of folks are interested in supporting what what's called enterprise 5G but you really which you begin to think of you can be thinking of as in the building uh, connectivity wireless connectivity.
0: Yeah, so a lot of possible change here. I just want to diverge for a moment and ask you that looking across government customers that you deal with what Applications are they using for these modernized network and all of the high speed that's available? I know customer experience is a big push coming, you know, from the Biden administration. yep and So the purpose of networks is to run data for applications, right? Ultimately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, for from an applications perspective, we can talk about you know DOD and, and intelligence through some very specialized applications, but. You know, by and large, the applications that government runs are similar to the ones that are run in, in you know, in the commercial and, and civilian industry. So, you know, the government is running Office 365 and, uh, you know, email and the various uh, cloud app. Actually, in some cases, they're standing up in, you know, instances of, uh of an Amazon cloud or a Microsoft Azure cloud, you know, inside their own data centers. And, you know, we can, at some point, maybe we can talk a little bit about that, some of the hybrid cloud uh, strategies uh, as well. But, you know, I would say the applications are very similar to what we're seeing uh, in, in commercial industry uh, by and large. And then there are absolutely special cases where we're, you know, we're talking about uh, satellite downlinks and, uh, you know, classified video and, and things like that. Um, but the good news is the, the government applications and the commercial ones are very well aligned. And so we we don't need, we don't, the the, the uh, there certainly is uniqueness, but the uniqueness is more on the software side than it is on the, you know, the network infrastructure side. We're able to construct a, a network that works as well for government applications as it does for civilian ones. Uh, and uh, we can take advantage of that, you know, that overall scale of the market to, to bring, Uh, modern networking, critical infrastructure capabilities to the government, just like we do the rest of the industry.
0: And the issue of money comes up. They'd love to modernize everything all at once. Nobody can do that. There's technology modernization funds that you have to justify. So one of the ways they look at investing in new technology is, is their ultimate cost savings for this investment. So what's your best advice for a strategy of using investment dollars that agencies have for IT where do you start as yeah. you modernize your network
1: yeah that, that's that's a good question and, and one that one that that comes up with uh, with regularity cuz uh, you know budgets are always limited and you, you know you you never have enough now the, the good news is that in terms of you know whatever there's a number of common metrics you know cost per bit or cost per gigabit mile transported things like that all of those numbers are are coming down in many cases dramatically. So, you know, the the cost of transporting a bit of information across the network is is dramatically, I mean, orders of magnitude cheaper than it has been even just you know 10 years ago. So that's the good news. You know, the bad news is, if you will, it's kind of good news, bad news. Is is that of course the amount of traffic that's going that, that wants to be car- carried it's one of those deals where where things get cheaper what happens it, it doesn't just get cheaper totally because now market says market pricing says it's really inexpensive we'll use more of it and so uh you know we get that and of course companies like Sienna, we, we love that we have to we have to support that we have to support that more so uh so 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 yeah you're, you're definitely going to see uh, a, a bit of both
0: Right so once again what's the best place to start with where can you get the most bang for your buck do you think
1: Yeah and, and so to, you know the, the best the best way to, to start is uh, is is really to is to is to look at your overall network and we'll we will typically have customers start at a portion of the network where the you know the, the demand is growing the most Uh, And that's where you'll want to do your tech refreshes and and your upgrades. And and the good news is that the way network infrastructure and equipment has been architected in structures days is is you don't have to upgrade everything at once. You can do it a piece uh, at a time and, and evolve. That's one of the reasons why we support multiple protocols and, you know, multiple, even some of the older, slower rates, we still support on all of our equipment so that, you can upgrade a portion of the network; it'll still be interoperable with the older equipment. And then, as that portion of the network is is modernized, you can even transition traffic from. We talked about Sonnet. You can still use Sonnet, but then you can, over a period of time, transition from Sonnet to uh, to Ethernet, and then move on to a different portion of your network uh, as your needs be. So, the you know the, the the most important thing is is to is to do a uh, a network survey or network analysis and and Beat it against what you think the growth plans are, and the kind of applications that you're looking at supporting in the future. See how that's going to drive your demand, and then pick the hot spots in the network, if you will, and upgrade those first. Uh, so there's a consultative part, and then, you know, Sienna has a uh, consultant that we can use to to help with those conversations. And then it really is an evolution. It's not a it's not a big bang because because Hey, people don't have the money for it, and frankly, the big bangs are pretty disruptive. I mean, you you do it if you had to, but that's typically not how we see it done.
0: All right. So mainly know where your hockey puck is going next. Yeah. All right. Good note to close on. I'd like to thank today's guest, Jim Westdorp, is chief technologist at Siena Government Solutions. Thanks so much for a great discussion. Thanks, Tom.
1: Appreciate
0: being here. I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. And for more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Sienna Government Solutions. Thank you for listening to the discussion, The Future of Networking, sponsored by
1: Siena Government Solutions on Federal News Network.